Good morning, Southridge. Welcome. Glad you're here today. Actually, we think that you are in the exact right place because there's no other movies showing at this time anyway. So you're right where you need to be. Uh, good to see you. I'm Pastor Troy, and uh, we're in week four of a series called God at the Movies, and we're going to jump into that in just a second. But before we do, uh, a couple things. Uh, number one, uh, all those that were part of the Impact Awards, hey, all right, woo, we had a great night, I wore a, a kind of a, uh, what, what was it, what's that called, a, a bow tie, there we go, bow tie, in my lime green shirt, my lime green shoes, I was ready for Impact Awards, it was good. There was a surprise that happened there though, and some of you were part of that, I just want to say thank you for blessing the socks off me, or on me, I mean maybe that's a better way to say it. Uh, and and you're, some of you are going, what in the world is he talking about? Here's the deal. A, a few times, I, you know, let me back up a little bit. In life, there are what I call happy moments. You know, those little tiny things that happen. Like, I was thinking of another one the other day. When you go to Dairy Queen, you get a dip cone, and you bite the top off of it off. That's a happy moment right there, right? Okay, all right. Uh, but one of the happy moments for me personally is putting on a brand new pair of socks. It just is a happy moment. And every time I do it, I'm thinking, man, we should do this every day. You know, that's what I thought. And so I joked about it a few times, saying, man, it'd be cool if I had like a different pair of socks to wear every day for the whole year. I mean, that would be so cool. Somebody got the idea that said, hey, let's do that to Pastor Troy. And so when we were in at the Impact Awards, they came up and literally showered me with socks. I'm sporting a pair today right there. And uh, there were little notes in each one of them to encourage me with a scripture or whatever, and I really appreciate it. There was one, though, and it was kind of funny because some of the kids did this, and, and I, I, I opened up a couple of them just to peek and see, I mean, cause, and the kids once kind of drew me, and, said, and apparently it was addressed to somebody else. And it, and it said, hey, can you play later this afternoon from blank to blank? <laughs> I'm like, thank you. That just blesses me. I'm glad you put that in my sock. So I, that's the one I kept, actually. So anyway. Yeah, the other thing is this, Um, in two weeks is uh, uh, September 11th, and that day is actually our fall kickoff for for us as a church. Every fall we kind of ramp up to get into groups and kind of kick off the fall. Everybody's back in school and everything's happening. We're going to start a new message series that day called Big Questions, and here's what we're doing. We're going to talk about why on earth am I here What's God's will for my life? How can I ever be happy? We're going to talk about that for three weeks. What's the big questions? But here's where you play into that. We're going to ask that you invite somebody that maybe is open to the idea of God, but has never really been invited to participate in a, in a church environment like this. I think they might like it. I think they might enjoy it and come. And also, by the way, on the 11th, we're going to give away during each service a, a big grill. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, it's used. I used it for three years, but you can have it. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, it's brand new. <laughs> okay. Anyway, little rabbit trail there. Um, so want to want to just encourage you. And here's here's what happens. Um, Eighty-five plus percent of people that come to church or ever come into a relationship with Christ come because somebody they knew invited them to come with them. That's just how it happens. That's, it's, it's, it's the biggest, best way. And it, is, it isn't just so we can say, hey, be a part of us. Here's why we do it. We believe that what we're doing here is life-changing. 
And so as we invite people, and you might know somebody that's in that category, we're not looking for people that are part of other churches. We're looking for people that are disconnected, disillusioned, and they just kind of, I don't know, but yet they might give it a shot right here. And so what you need to do is you leave today, there's an invite card, grab a hold of it, pray about it, think about it, and look for that person that God has put in your path to invite that day or for that series, all right? So enough said. So here we are, jump back into God at the Movies. Uh, we're talking about uh, God in the movies. You know, it's kind of his story, uh, unpacking another story to find his story, that kind of idea. Really, what, all we're doing is this. We're looking at the blockbuster hits of this year and, and then taking from that or springing off of that into a spiritual theme that we can discuss that has application to our lives. It isn't, it isn't that we're seeing some big mystical spiritual thought in the movie Rango today, which there is. No, that, that's a joke. But uh, we're, we're, we're looking for that and springing off of that. And so we're, today we're going to use Rango, a little scary. How many of you have seen Rango? Rango, anybody, any Rangoites? Okay. All right. My name is Rango. Yeah. And I've seen it three times, I admit it. I love it. I think it's a cool movie, uh, but, uh, you know, that's not why I'm here. Uh, it's a little scary for small kids. It's uh, PG-13. It's got all these kind of evil, dark, kind of sinister animal-type things going on, uh, even though it's cartoony. Um, the background is Rango, is this little lizard, this homely little lizard with a kink in his neck, who finds himself abruptly transitioning from the domestic life in the aquarium to the Wild West where everything's wild and trying to figure out how to live life there. And, and really what happens, and don't want to give the whole movie away, but he, he's in an aquarium in the back of a car and they hit a bump and ha- kind of get an accident. Next thing you know, the aquarium goes flying out and he finds himself having to live life in the wild. And that's kind of the story. And so the movie starts out, he's in this aquarium, he's dreaming of being a famous person. He's actually acting like he's this movie star in the aquarium. The problem is he doesn't have anybody to do it with. And so he's just kind of by himself doing his a one-man show, and he's, he's all the characters, and he's playing all the parts. He's just dreaming of being something, and then he's dumped into the world. So here's what we did is we took both trailers and kind of connected them a little bit together, So, but it, it flows, so let's check out Rango. Welcome, amigo. To the land without end The desert and death Are the closest of friends We sing of his courage In the magnificent song But pay close attention He won't be here long Don't move What? Don't move! Not moving! Shh! Not moving! Try to blend in. Huh? Blend in? What, what, what do you mean? Blend in. Huh? What, 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 are you, what are you saying? Oh! Too late. No, no, it's not too late. I, I, I'm blending. I'm a blender. Ah! Hey, hey, calm down. What are you doing? Stop moving. Try not to look conspicuous. Oh, oh here she comes. You better run, Mojito. You what? I thought you said don't move. That was before. Now, you run. Here in the Mojave Desert, animals have had millions of years to adapt to the harsh environment. But the lizard? He's going to die. 
for? You're a stranger. Strangers don't last long here. What do you think, Doc? This hawk is dead. Circle of life! Who exactly are you? Name's Rango. <gasps> what is this? That there's Rango. Can't afraid of none of you. Is that right? Hold <laughs> better. You see them, Mr. Rango? People have to believe in something. Pick it up. Your destiny awaits. You are gonna save us, aren't you? Count on it, little sister. Sheriff, we got a problem. This is my town. They done taken everything we got. So you want something to believe in? Believe in that there sign. For as long as it hangs there, we got hope. Whatever you do, do not look down. Whoa! Whoa! Ow! All right, now listen. I want to give you fellas one last chance to reconsider. Make your move. It's tons of funny, funny little lines in there. My favorite line, though, is a little hairy thing. I don't even know what he is, a little mouse or something. I don't know what he, he, he when Rango walks into the saloon, just meeting everybody, he kind of goes through this whole scenario, and he, and he walks up, and I want to get just, he goes, hey there, fruit cup. <laughs> I love fruit, that just gets me. Hey there, fruit cup, you're a long way from home, ain't you? <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> you guys are like, what? Yeah, that just cracks me up. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> hey there, fruit cup. Anyway. So, so here's what's going on. So there's all kinds of things we can talk about with Rango. There, you could talk about how to fight off the attacks of the enemy. You could talk about, you know, uh, believing in something bigger than yourself. You could talk about standing up for what's right. You could talk about being bold in spite of everything that's, you know, going on around you. And all those are good topics. But I think the number one topic for us today is talk about moving or transitioning from being a nobody to a somebody. And that was, that was his story. That was, that was what was going on in this whole thing. And so, so Rango was wanting desperately to move from being a, somebody, a nobody to a somebody. Somehow find a place in life that actually mattered. And that's a huge thing. And so here, here's what happens, though, in a, in a lot of our lives. For a lot of us, we're just getting by. 
We're just going through the motions. We're, we're just, you know, it, it, it's not getting any better. And really, it's, it's more like living in the aquarium, isn't it? You know, <laughs> same thing, same pictures, same scene, same people, same everything. Nothing changes. And every day, hoping that somehow it would change, but it doesn't. It just seems like we're just living in an aquarium. It, you know, and that's just kind of how it is. And, and so here's Rango. He's living in this, in, in the aquarium, just like a lot of us. And he was dreaming of being something different. He was dreaming of being somebody instead of a nobody. Instead of just having this little existence, he wanted to have a big existence. And all of a sudden, because of an accident, he found himself in the middle of an opportunity. And I want to start off by just saying this. Some of you here today, you might sense or believe that you're in the middle of an accident. And I just want to say, it might not be an accident. It might be that God is creating a situation in your life or allowing a situation in your life so that you would transition from being a nobody to a somebody. That maybe the difficulty that you face and maybe the hardship that you've been going through isn't necessarily much as much about just hardship as it is about changing who you are in the midst of that hardship. That somehow God would get a hold of your heart in the middle of all that and say, you know what, I want you to transition. And so Rango catapulted out of the back of a car, smashing on the pavement, bad stuff, but really it was an opportunity for him to transition from nobody to somebody. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, so what happens, here, here's what happens though, is we all want something in life. We, some of us, we want fame, you know, that's, that's part of it. We, we want to be famous. You know, and, and, and at some level, that's okay. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think to just want to be famous is a good thing to go after, but, you know, that's what we look for. Others, and I think this is very common, we want a lot of money. That's what we're going after. We, what we want is money. What we want is a lot of money. You know, we want so much money, we don't know what to do with it kind of money. You know, that kind of thing. And you're like, yeah, that's what I want. And, you know, and here's the thing. Jesus, every time he talked about money, he said, beware because it's deceitful. It makes you think you have something when you really don't. It makes you believe that you've got security when you don't really have security. And he kind of goes through a lot of different conversations about money that really, in the end, it comes up short. And so, but some of us, that's what we think. And others, it's a little bit more noble, if you will. It's, I want to have a voice. You know, what I want in life is I want to be able to, to speak out and, 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 and have a, a voice be heard and made a difference. Or maybe it's simpler than, than that. Maybe it's just peace. You just want to have a sense of peace in your life. Just Instead of just chaos, just calm. <laughs> instead of it being crazy, just calm. And that's okay, too. I mean, you know, and, and, and sometimes all those things are good, but, but most of all, and here's what happens. Most of all, we are all created the same way by God to want a few things. Here's, here's one of them, is we want to be noticed. At some point, all of us want to be seen. All of us want to be heard. All of us, all of us want to have that idea that somehow God and those around me know that I'm worthwhile. That, that li my life adds up to something and I'm noticed. And that's okay. That's a good thing. The second one, though, I think cuts even deeper to the heart of who we are. And that is, is we all want to be loved. That every one of us in this room, I mean, even the, even the toughest of the toughest guy, you know, you're, you're sitting right now in your chair and you're flexing your muscles so everybody knows you're tough. Deep down inside, come on, the truth is you want to be loved too. You, you want to be valued. You, you want somebody to actually wrap their arms around you in a way and truly just love you for being you. That's what you want. I know that because it, that's, I, I feel that all the time. I, I want to be loved. I, I want to be noticed. And then the last one, and I think this is a big one, 
is we want to somehow make a difference in life. Somehow we want to make an impact. I don't know about you, but I think about that one a lot because I think about how life for me, I'm, I'm probably over halfway there. You know, if God's gracious and he gives me a, a few more years. And I'm thinking, Lord, it, it, am I going to make a difference? Is, is what I do in life going to add up to anything? I mean, is it really going to make a hill of beans? You know, is there going to be anything that comes out of it? I don't know. And so, so that's, we, we wrestle with those things and we, we try to figure out what's going on. But, but in spite of wanting to be loved, wanting to be noticed, and wanting to have an impact, that's good and we all know that. But the reality of it is, is there are challenges that constantly battle against that. There are things in our lives that seem to just kind of keep coming, bam, 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 and just beat against it. And, and it, just, it just seems messed up, you know? And maybe it goes back to my favorite statement there, hey there, fruit cup, you're a long way from home, ain't you? And, and we just seem to not be where we belong. We just seem to be somewhere other than where we belong. And so we're trying to figure that out. So, so let me share with you today, I've got two basic thoughts going. Number one is, is how to be a nobody. You know, in other words, if you give in to these challenges, you will be a nobody. That's just how it goes. And then the second part is how to be a somebody how to do that. So, so let's just jump in. What are the challenges? And they're, really they come in the form of lies that, that challenge that in us, that we would somehow move from being a nobody to a somebody. And the first one is this, is avoiding the, or avoid the performance trap. Avoid the performance trap. The lie is simply this. I have to, I have, to have amazing abilities to be somebody. I've got to be able to jump higher, run faster. I've got to be able to do something nobody else does i got to be able to be it. I mean, because really my only value in life is my ability to perform greatly. And if I can't perform greatly, then I have no value. And so the performance trap pulls a lot of people. It sucks a lot of people in. I'm only valuable if I do something valuable. It's being convinced that every day I have to prove something. Man, I know this one. I, I, I know this one. And, and by the way, this topic for me hits home personally because... This, I struggle with these things just like many of you do. That I struggle with performance. That somehow I'd get up here and... <laughs> Gee whiz, man, i got to work for that. Anyway, I mean, I struggle with the song and dance, you know. I mean, all the time, God and I wrestle with messages for Sunday mornings. And the reason that we wrestle with it is because... I don't want to just get up here and do what I think people are going to like. I want to get up here and actually say what I think God's saying. And those two things aren't compatible all the time. You know, and, and it's that performance trap. And I, I, I mentioned in the first service, I think it, I didn't have my notes, but I think something happened in, in my heart several years ago when, when our oldest daughter was killed in a car accident. And this is what happened. Everything got stripped away. Everything got stripped away. In other words, hardly anything mattered. Matter of fact, for a while there, nothing mattered. And, and, and we just looked at life and everything is like, ah, that doesn't matter, that doesn't matter, that doesn't matter. And all of a sudden I found myself losing something that I had had before that that really complicated my life. And you know what it was? It was, was this unending desire or this unending fear of failure to prove something. All of a sudden, I, you know what, I don't have nothing to prove. Matter of fact, I don't, I don't really care if I prove anything. Matter of fact, the only thing I want to prove is that, God, I love you. I know you're real. I know you have a plan for my life. And beyond that, I, I don't have anything to prove. So 
if you take it away or if I have it, great, doesn't matter. If I'm somebody or if I'm nobody, it's okay. And see, out of that, I think, comes, comes the answer. And so the performance trap, though, captures and grabs a hold of a lot of us. Here's, here's another one, is we refuse to ad- be addicted to approval. So here's another challenge, is refuse to be addicted to approval. And the lie is, is I have to be accepted by others to be somebody. I have to be accepted. You know what, this is a weird thing, because it starts really, really early in our lives and in, in our culture. I mean, it's like kindergarten, you know? It's like first grade. It's like second grade. My, my book bag doesn't look like all the other kids. Come on. Your other four brothers and sisters had that same book bag. It's good enough for you. Joke. Come on, you guys. <laughs> wow. Tough crowd. Uh, it, it, so this refuse to be addicted but what happens, though, is too often we look to others for a sense of our own value. I mean, we're looking at the person next to us to tell us whether we're valuable or not. Which is kind of, you know, like, is that, is that right? No, but we do it all the time. And, and really what we're saying is, I will find my value in your opinion of me. I mean, when you say it, you're going, man, that just doesn't make a lot of sense. But yet we get addicted to that approval. We, we, when, and when we believe this, what happens is we become easy targets for peer pressure, you know, trying to fit in, you know, the, the in crowd. I mean, just, I just want to be part of it, whatever it is, I'm going to do it. And so we'll give up all kinds of stuff that's worthwhile just to be in the in crowd. And we've got this addiction for approval that really messes it up and is a challenge that we've got to deal with. And really what happens too is it results in a couple things. It results in being superficial. You know, if you've got this addiction to approval thing going on, and you're saying, well, how's that work? Is, it, it works this way. Is when you get addicted to approval, you never really let anybody close enough to know who you really are. <laughs> because if they find out who you really are, they might not like you. If they find out that you really got some fears and failures and weaknesses about who you are as a person, boy, that person's going to write you off on a heartbeat, and it ain't going to happen. And that becomes a huge issue. And so superficial becomes a big thing. You become resentful because people don't like you the way you think you should, they should like you. You, you. you become easily manipulated. You avoid taking risks. I mean, you avoid people. I mean, all kinds of things start happening because of this one challenge that we don't deal with correctly. Third one is this, is beat the blame game. And the lie is, I am unable to be somebody because of you. I would be somebody if you wouldn't be a part of this picture. You know, you keep me from being anything. You have sabotaged my success. You have kept me from being anybody. You, and we just blame, 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 blame. And sometimes there's truth in that, but to use that as an excuse for never becoming somebody is not a good thing. And that's what a lot of people do. We, we look for an escape, an excuse for our lives, our own lives not adding up. And we look at you or what others have done to us as the block or the hindrance to us becoming something. So here's what happens with the blame game. It causes us to stay as nobodies because of a couple things. We spend most of our thoughts and energy doing a couple things. Punishing ourselves and attacking others. And see, I understand the punishing myself. Personally, and I'm kind of unveiling myself here a little bit today, is is I understand stupid, stinking thinking. I do that a lot. I mean, I, 
I, I constantly am in a battle to whether or not God could actually use me. I'm constantly in a battle trying to find confidence, and I'm constantly in a battle trying to be what I think God created me to be. I'm constantly there, and you know why I'm constantly there? It's because I'm constantly battling what I'm telling myself in my own head about who I am. I'm punishing myself. I, I mean, whatever it may be, I mean, I'm just, that's what's going on, and so I'm bounding myself down with the blame game and, and, and at times, here's what happens. You do it yourself, eventually it pours out and it pours over into other people. You become really critical. You become judgmental. You become physically, at times, abusive. You become verbally abusive very quickly. It's all because of that. It's all because I missed something here. I, I missed what God wants to do. And so then what happens is the story of our lives becomes a story of anger and abuse and not a life full of answers. And see, when that happens, boy, you know, I, I mean, how would you like to, you know, you get to the end of your life and say, hey, what's your story? Well, my story is an anger and abuse story. What's yours? Like, ah, dumb. Why'd you do that? Well, my whole life I've been blaming everybody else for me not being somebody. I've been pointing at everybody else and excusing my behavior and my life and who I am as a person, all that kind of stuff on everybody else. That's just what I've been doing. Oh, Okay. And so instead of actively pursuing God's best for my life, what I've done then over a course of time is I've just become passive and I just surrendered and I yielded. And instead of going after the opportunities or recognizing even maybe this hard situation I'm in right now is an opportunity, I've just bailed out and said, ah, never mind. Blame game. The last one, I think this one's a big one, is climb the mountain of shame. And here's the lie. I will never be somebody because of my past I will never be somebody because of my past see for some we never become somebody because we think change is never possible we think I am what I am deal with it I am what I am I just that's the way it is I mean this is hey this is who I am I'm just kind of it's hopeless and you start to you start to have this mountain of shame and we can't seem to climb it or get over it we can't seem to see our success we can't seem to see our future because the only thing we can see is the past and what we've blown and a lot of us feel it fit into that category and in fact some of the times it amazes me how many people that's why they can't allow god to do what god wants to do in their lives because all they can do is they pull out of their back pocket their past card this is my shame card see this god i can't ever become anything because of this and God's kind of like, what, what are you talking about? But that's what we do. We somehow we miss, and the challenge of all these different things cause us or put us in a category of second-class citizens. We can't quite get to where we're supposed to be because we missed it because we can't climb the mountain of shame. And really what happens, here's, here's an interesting thing about shame, is that we tend to go with the gravitational pull of shame. See, shame does a funky thing to you. It does this. Is it'll make you start living the way you think you are. In other words, you, you go, you know what, I'm just worthless. I've blown it so many times. I, I, I've screwed it up so many times. I've done so many dumb, stupid things. I mean, I, I can't believe I did that. And after a while, we just kind of give in to the shame. We just give in to the thought. And then we begin to live our life destructively according to what we think we are i.e. drug addiction, alcohol addictions, where you interact with 
guys, if you're girls, I mean, all, I mean, all kinds of stuff. I know that was me. I mean, I, I mean, I, when I'm reading this today and I'm thinking through this, I've been there. I, I see that. And so we begin to live that way and we have no dream for tomorrow. So what's the answer? What's the answer? Let me see if I can just go through it real quick. I, I, I thought about a lot this week. What's, what's the answer to being able to move from nobody to somebody? What, how, how do we get there? I mean, and, and here's, a, here's a few things. Number one is I've got, to, I've got to begin to embrace an idea that pleasing God is my number one goal. I've got to embrace that. I, I, I've got to realize, you know what, I love you guys, and, and, I, and I, I'm excited to be a part of what God's doing here and the interaction and relationships how I have, but at the end of the day, the only person that matters is God. That I'm living my life for an audience, not at some, but one. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've got to do that because I can't, I can't you're too finicky. <laughs> you know? At times, you're even weird when it comes to me trying to, you know, if I'm doing the, you know, that, and you're like, ah, I'm tired of that one. I don't like that one anymore. I'm like, okay. You know, oh, well, I've seen that one too. You know, I was kind of, it's like, dude, <laughs> what do I got to do? But somehow I've got to get to that point where I embrace pleasing God as my number one goal. First uh, Thessalonians 2 says this, our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of my heart. Here's what that means. When the dust of my life settles, the only person I'm going to be accountable to is him. So if that's the case, if, if the only person in my life that really matters when I get to the end of life, then maybe I shouldn't spend so much energy and thought and time trying to figure out what they want to hear, but instead figure out what he wants to hear and what he wants to see. Because that's what really matters. I mean, it, nowhere in Scripture does it say when you get to the end that there's going to be a bunch of the kids from your junior high class that are going to judge whether or not you're worthwhile. It just isn't going to happen. I mean, it's not going to go like that. It's going to go like this. God's going to be there. He's going to say, so what say you? <laughs> it's like he's going to push the play button, and it's going to scroll through your life, and he is going to determine what is good and what's not and how it all works out. So next one is this, and this is a big one. Is, so first, embrace pleasing God is the number one goal. Second one is accept what God has already done for you. This is a big thing. Because somehow I've got to get this in my head that God has already made me potentially and realistically where I need to be to be somebody. He's already done that. I mean, it's already happened. He, as a matter of fact, before I was even born, he already made it happen. So I've got to get a hold of this already concept. It says in 2 Peter 1, it says, we have, underline that, past tense, everything we need to live a life that pleases God. It was, underline was, all given to us by God's own power. When we learn, past tense, that he had invited us to share in his wonderful goodness. And so here's the point. Become, being somebody with God is simply saying yes to what he's already revealed to be true about me. What's true about me? He already loves me. <laughs> he already accepts me, matter of fact. And it, it says, when Jesus stepped in the cross, it was the pathway and the doorway and everything as far as you and I coming close to God in relationship that I ever would need, he already did that. So for me to try to do it again or make it happen or do the song and dance, do, get the approval, do the blame game, do all those things, it really is blowing out of the water this whole idea that's already done. 
See, God loved me before I was born. He didn't love me. He does not love me because I did a song and dance. God does not love us less or more based on my performance. He just loves me. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to, I don't have to do the song and dance. I don't have to do the performance. You're like, well, then it doesn't matter. Just live it. No, no there, you'll want to when you figure this thing out. Because when, when the difference is, is between potential, the difference between potential and reality is acceptance of what God has already done for you. See, Jesus, what he did for you, what he did for me, takes all those things of blame and lack of approval and the idea that I've got to perform. All the, he did it. He, he is all those things. It's already done. I just got to accept it. God, in other words, God's saying, you already are somebody. Let's start doing this. <laughs> Let's go for it. Next one. So embrace pleasing God as your number one goal. Accept what God has already done, done for you. And then the next one there is partner with what God is currently doing. See, God's doing something right now in our midst. I don't know, like, here, here's the deal. Next week or next two weeks when we say go and invite somebody, it's your opportunity to partner in what God's doing. He's like, what, he's inviting people to church? No, he's inviting people to be somebody. And the somebody comes from that relationship with Jesus and that relationship that was broken because all the stupid stuff that I'd done, he pulls me back in. I get to be a part of that. And so all of a sudden now I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Now embrace God as number one goal. Accept already what he's done. And then partner with what he's currently doing. I can be somebody? Yeah. Uh, text, Second uh, Peter 1, 4 says, God made great, made great and marvelous promises so that his nature would become part of us. In other words, we would embrace this kingdom idea of what he's trying to do right now in the world. And then we would escape our evil desires and the corrupt influences of this world. So that's a big part of it, no pun intended. The last two, practice what actually prepares you. Practice what actually prepares you. See, see part of this thing is I've got I to begin to train myself to be somebody. For me, it's a constant battle in my head. I've got, I got to begin to say, no, this is God saying I'm something other than what I keep telling myself. I got to train myself. I got to trust him that maybe he's going to use this circumstance and this situation to do something cool. I, I've got to understand that I've got to have a little self-control as the text. If you're reading the text, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I've got to have that about me. I've got to, I've got to have this idea that I'm going to give my life away. I mean, all of a sudden, I'm going to do what matters. And when I begin to do what matters, God gives me a sense of somebodyness. I don't even know if that's a word. I just made it up. So partner with God was currently doing practice what actually prepares. And the last one is stay alert to new challenges. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to walk out of here today. I will guarantee you those lies are going to be waiting for you outside the door. Perform. <laughs> Perform. Gain approval. Blame somebody. Do shame. I mean, all those things. And what's going to happen is you're going to have to continually be alert to the new challenge every day. I would like to stand up here and tell you today, hey, you know what? Once you agree to these three things, life is going to go perfect. It can happen. That's why every day I realize that, you know what? There's an attack. The lies are coming. And I've got to fight like Rango. And I've got to get a hold of this thing and realize God wants to do something significant in my life. To be somebody, I've got to be alert. To what's happening so let me pray 
Lord, so many of us in this room have bought into some of those lies. So many of us, Lord, have, have said, I've got to perform to earn God's favor and his love and his acceptance. So many of us has, have looked to others to, to have a sense of value and approval. We, we, we live our life wondering what everybody else thinks. And we miss the truth of it, Lord, that it, you're the only one that matters. So, Lord, I pray right now that, Lord, we would have a sense that you have called us and you have tapped us on the shoulder and you have a destiny for each one of, in this, in the, of us in this room to be somebody with you. You've already did everything we need, God, on the cross. Jesus, when you died for me, you made it all possible. I don't, I don't have to do anything. You are my performance. You are my acceptance. You are everything I need. Lord, help me to accept that right now. Help me just to accept it, to quit trying to do it in my own strength or fall into those lies. Lord, help me to be somebody today because I did it your way. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.